Bo, I have bad news. Uh-oh. Um, we have to... We have to change the title of the podcast. Why? So here's the thing. Um, so this this is called Swing Shift with Ryan and Bo. That entirely is the official title, not just Swing Shift. And that is just because there's one person who posted a podcast onto Spotify last October titled Just Swing Shift. And uh, uh, just just in case that that person cares, they, they put up one episode. I think it's about fly fishing. And uh, but just in case that that person was going to make a fuss. Our official title is Swing Shift with Ryan and Bo. However, um, we've got to we've got to we've got to change it because uh, otherwise my roommate Varun is never going to find this podcast because uh, when he he tried to listen to our last episode. Now, now Varun knows uh, very little about baseball. He doesn't care about baseball. He knows his knowledge of baseball is to the extent of watching me either play MLB the show or whenever he would watch playoff games with me. And because of those two factors, he's actually, he's convinced that Cody Bellinger is the greatest baseball player of all time. Um, because every time he would happen to watch a live game with me, Cody would either hit a home run or make a crazy catch. Remember in like the 18 inning game in the 2018 world series, he, he made a, a nutty catch in one inning and then like, um, either he threw somebody out at the plate or he, he scored. He, he did a bunch of crazy shit in that game. And every time Varun happens to watch a, a Dodger game with me, Cody does something and he says, I'm telling you, this guy is the greatest to ever live. <laughs> like, that's, it's just that's, just, that's facts. I don't even. There is. Um, <laughs> but so Varun went on, uh, he, you know, he knew that we had made this podcast and he went on a run one day and he's like, all right, I'm going to listen to Ryan's podcast. But he couldn't exactly remember what the title was. So um, he didn't text me asking me what the title was because he was a little embarrassed that he <laughs> couldn't remember exactly. Um, but he he had the premise of it. So he proceeded uh, he proceeded to Google Swing Boys. Okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, I might be on a website like that. Uh, college was hard for all of us. You, in, uh, <laughs> you graduate high school into a into a recession and times get desperate things get tough so yeah in in an attempt to to just hunt down our podcast he googled simply swing boys um of course he did not find it um good time what? though <laughs> damn um, wow and uh and then he just googled my name and and then he eventually found it that way so okay. Um, so, so we, we now have to, at least this episode, we will title it Swing Boys, so that way Varun can find it when he Googles it. Swing Boys. (laughs) Oof, man. That's it. Do you watch, uh, do you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I don't, actually, but I've I've been I just finished Parks and Rec, and so I want to find another, you know, standard. Just just finished Parks and Rec? Yeah, yeah. I, I... I started it at the beginning of this year and I, I, I love So this is where, uh, I, I don't, I don't hide my political beliefs from anybody. Mm-hmm. And if people ask, I'll talk about them because politics are a part of our daily life. Uh, parks and rec is one of my favorite shows of all time. I love parks and rec. Mm-hmm. I think parks and rec is better than the office. I, uh, after watching it, I agree. Yeah. And that's usually what happens is the people that think it isn't have never actually watched it. Uh -uh. But uh, 
man, I hate that show. I hate the people on that show so much, and <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to disconnect what I what I believe, and then watch like the way those characters act, and to see like the special they did the other day where like Ben Wyatt is now a state rep or something like that. It's just just ugh, shivers. <laughs> yeah, just hate it. I hate it so much, but. Yeah, Parks and Rec is a great show. It's got to uh, it's got to separate entertainment from beliefs. And Brooklyn Nine Nine is a great show. I love Brooklyn. But uh, Swing Boys, Swing Boys sounds exactly like something out of Brooklyn Nine Nine. So I'm <laughs> I'm very very willing to call ourselves that. Swing Boys. Um, I I really liked the uh the special that Parks and Rec did this last week. I think for like just throwing together something like that at the last minute to have like a yeah, a legit reunion yeah. when nobody could be in the same location. Uh, I thought it was fun. I thought they did a good job with it. I haven't, haven't, uh, haven't gotten around to it yet. I, I threw, uh, I threw the Patriot on TV. So oh, good. <laughs> Mel Gibson will inspire me to talk about baseball. Cause we, you know, I, I don't know. I, we were talking, I, I feel hopeful that this will eventually uh start season lockdown will get lifted i think we're just going to cycle through lockdowns for a couple years but that's fine Mm -hmm. um and so i think we'll get baseball and i sincerely sincerely hope that the bob nightingale story from earlier this week comes true because there is nothing that would please me more than the dodgers and the astros being in the same division for the season. Yes. Also, it would be cool to see Bob Nightingale report a story correctly. <laughs> oh. Don't listen. Don't listen to this part. Uh, it was pretty wild when Javi Baez was traded for Shelby Miller. That was a. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, well, it feels like it feels like baseball reporters, especially are very prone to being wildly incorrect for most of their their stories or scoops or whatever you want to say but Bobby Bobby Nightingale has a special <laughs> special penchant for being completely wrong about almost everything that he ever tweets it's I don't want to say it's tragic but it, it's just it's funny yeah you man it's it's interesting that like I don't know the the upper echelon of of uh of of baseball reporters is like Ken Rosenthal and Jeff Passan now. Ever since he came to ESPN, he's like he's he's kind of baseball woge at this point. Um, and uh, and I put I put John Paul Morosi up there as well. And then it like really starts to drop off. <laughs> it's uh because there's a lot of guys who are prone to just tweeting out whatever is sent to their phone, regardless of it's if it's legit or not. Yeah, well, there's <laughs> uh, there's a few people who I know for a fact love to tweet out information that they get from random numbers. Um, yeah, but but speaking of um, speaking of these baseball reporters and this story that we're talking about, uh, the the proposal for the uh, what this season could eventually look like. Um, I've got I've got a little bit of an exclusive scoop on this. Like this is 
breaking news? Yes, this is breaking this, news. This, this is, is where if we were in our professional studio, we'd have a drop for it. <laughs> There'd be, you know, Channel 5, breaking news. <laughs> I we love get... when people sarcastically play that drop. It's, it's too we go. We go now live to our uh, MLB insider, Ryan Bershing. <laughs> well, uh, so earlier in the week, I was, I was filling in producing on the Jason Smith show, and they had uh, John Paul Morosi on that night. And first of all, John Paul Morosi, when 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 people say that somebody is the nicest person, you know, they they usually it, it tends to be a little hyperbolic. They're not, in fact, the nicest person, but they're a very nice person. John Paul Morosi is the nicest person. No, <laughs> that he's, dude. I uh, JP is the sweetest sweetest man. He he cold texts me to remind me that he exists for shows. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I last time I talked to him, I was like, you know, I hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying well. You're you and your family, blah blah blah. And I, I didn't hear back from him. And you know, I don't expect to ever. These guys are busy. They're getting texts all the time. And then, like a week and a half later, he texts me back, and he's like, "Oh, you too. I hope it's all good out there." Damn. <laughs> Thank you, JP. Yeah, he's he's the only guest I've I've ever scheduled who will in fact go out of their way to text me personally and say like, Hey, if you ever need, ever need somebody to come on and talk baseball, I'm, I'm more than welcome. It's really nice for me because you and I are like our part-time guys who, who fill in on important shows and, um, or, you know, produce overnight radio, which doesn't have any guests and stuff like that. Um, it's nice when, when somebody as big of a name as him texts a guy like us, because then we're like, Oh, we're, you know, we're, we're legit. We're real people. This guy thinks about <laughs> us from time to time. <laughs> um, and uh, but he's yeah, so he's he's super nice, super friendly. Um, and especially like I, I know for, for me personally, and I'm sure that you would agree with this. When we first started filling in as producers, the toughest thing to do was to schedule guests because yeah. <laughs> because you feel yeah. like the host is going to judge your performance based on if you schedule any guests and who you schedule. Um, in reality, they they don't care. But um, <laughs> there's a handful of guys that do. But like for the most part, and in, in fact, most hosts on our network are they would rather not even have a guest because that means more time for them to talk. Um, and you know, they a lot of these guys only get like one one show uh, during the weekend, and it's once a week where they're able to talk. So sometimes they don't really like want to have a guest on because it takes uh, some time from them on air. But um, JP is 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 somebody who, if you text him, um, most of the time he's able to do the interview, and uh, and he 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 responds with a very well, uh, a nice paragraph explaining, yes, absolutely, I I would love to do that, and whenever you need me again, stuff like that, very nice. Uh, there's a there's so many writers and 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 former athletes and anybody who you would schedule as a guest who, if you text them about coming on, they just won't respond. Yep. <laughs> And that is the most frustrating thing in the world because like you're trying to schedule people for a certain slot and then you're waiting on somebody to respond and then you can't really text another person because you're like, ah, shit, I'm going to, I'm going to double book somebody. Yeah. You're, you're waiting. You're waiting. Uh, The worst is when your host asks you to guess some, asks you to book somebody and you book them and then something happens and the host is like, can we bump that person and get this person? Yeah. So then you got to go through the whole process again and also tell the person that you booked psych uh 
Yeah, that's not a good feeling. The funny, the thing for me that's weird is, uh, not not the booking of the person for the host nexus necessarily. It's like going through your phone and looking at the numbers that you have in there. <laughs> it's very surreal sometimes. Like, yeah. I was just looking through, and for some reason, I have a. Uh, I have Donovan McNabb's contact information, oh, nice. which is just odd. Or like, uh, who who did I see? Bruce Gradkowski is in my phone. <laughs> I have uh, I have Byron Scott, and that's the one that <laughs> that, that, that one is the most impressed by. <laughs> Ooh. Byron Scott, wow, what a what a treasure Byron is. We love. Uh, um. But but yeah, like I was saying, and especially like when we the biggest fear of mine was double booking guests because, you know, who the fuck are we? Like, we're just a couple like fill in producers. Well, like, I'm going to be like, I'm going to text Jake Glazer and be like, yo, uh, sorry, homie. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's on HBO, it, man. He's like, <laughs> he's not going to tolerate that. Uh, so, yeah, that was always my biggest fear is like creating a, a poor relationship with any writers or, or any any people in sports media because like we're just starting and we're a couple of nobodies and like um but i it's, knock on wood i have not uh had to i've only double booked guests like once or twice and um they're typically super nice about it um the the worst thing that that has happened and i it, i wasn't the only person to have this happen to was um when i filled in on the odd couple and Rod Woodson is a, a weekly guest, you know, NFL Hall of Famer Rod Woodson. Yes. And um, uh, the producer of that show, Robert Guerra, sent along the the number for Rod Woodson. However, it was actually the number of a different person named Rod. <laughs> um, uh, I can't Go remember ahead. his name. It's a baseball writer, though. And Thanks. so, <laughs> like, I, I texted him, scheduling him, saying, hey, you good for your normal spot? And he's like, yep, sure. And then I kind of like looked and I realized that the number I had in my phone was different from the number he emailed, but like it was, it was Garrett's fault. Yeah, 100%. Well, 100%. <laughs> that dude doesn't work hard enough. Um, so uh, like you, you have to then text other Rod and say, sorry, we meant a much more important Rod than you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry. Classic. Uh, but also like, you know, it was, it was December. Like why? Why yeah, you can't writer on in December. So. Yeah, you can't get to a <laughs> mistake. Yeah. Mistakes happen. We're all we're all human, even in the world of sports. Um, but the scoop yeah. I have. Yes, breaking news. It's back. Um, so we we get John Palmarosi on, and so as I said, he's the nicest man in the industry. And um, most guests, you have to, you know, you call them on your own, which is not a problem at all. Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not during breaks. I, you know, I'm just like saving some audio and shit like that. So I'm not I'm not doing much. And then I'm going to I call them. I put them on hold and put them on. We usually get them at like 20 after the hour. But um, that's a floating sort of time because that first segment there, sometimes the hosts can take it long. So then the break goes longer. We don't get them on until 23, 24 after. Um, with uh, with JP, he he calls directly to the line yeah. at 19 after knowing that his his time is coming up at 8:20, and he he you know he'll call in and he'll say, hey, it's this is John Paul Morosi. I'm I'm ready for my interview. I'll wait on hold for the guys. I'm ready to to talk some baseball. I've got some good stuff for them. And like he'll like go through like the different things he's gonna talk about. It's it's 
it's incredibly nice <laughs> and it's 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 he's a wonderful human being and um that night the uh the first segment went long to like 18 after so when he calls at 19 the break has only been going for a minute they're not going to come back on to like five minutes and so i tell him like look you know I, uh, they they took it a little long. You're gonna be on hold for like five minutes. You I can just call you back if if you'd rather have. And he said no 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 it's fine I'll I'll, I'll stay on hold. And so so I just kind of talked to him and I'm like hey uh, you know he 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 mentioned that you know he's got he's he, we're gonna talk about the return of baseball and it looks like uh, things are looking better that that it's gonna come back on time or not on time but it's gonna come back later on in the season we're gonna have a season and stuff and I say to him yeah I'm you know I'm a huge Dodger fan. And uh, I've been wrestling with the with the possibility that Mookie Betts never wears a Dodger uniform. And so so JP says to me, well, Ryan, uh, I, I can say with with some pretty, pretty good confidence that that you'll be you'll be seeing Mookie in a Dodger uniform this year. I, I, I really do believe that. I think there's a very good chance. And so um, I'm like, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> you don't know. This is this is so wonderful <laughs> that you're sharing this knowledge with me. Granted, um, so that's my scoop, which is nothing different than what's been out there on social media for like a week or oh. two. It's just very cool because John Palmarosi told me that directly. So reassuring. So uh, you know, that makes me better than 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 all of you. But um Well, <laughs> you know what we need to do is we need to extrapolate that and be like you know, John Paul Morosi says very likely Dodgers extend Mookie Betts to a lifetime contract. <laughs> we'll just, uh, yeah, put a bunch of words into his mouth. That will that will go over well. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I, he's JP is a super nice guy. And then at, at the end of the interview, um, you know, we'll put the when they have the interview on air. Uh, you put them on hold at the end, and typically, you know, you try to say bye to the guest. Um, and most of most people will stay on hold after the the hosts have have uh, ended the interview with them, and they'll say bye to the producer. Um, there are some people who don't, and I, you know, I, I know yeah, they don't mean anything by it, but it we have had very different experiences then because I get hung up on all the <laughs> goddamn time. It's it's annoying, but you know, you're right. They don't mean anything by it. It's just rude <laughs> but you know, um and so jp was still there when i and then afterwards and they and he said to me again and you know just keep keep your head up i think i really really feel good that you're gonna see mookie and dodger blue at the at some point this summer and i'm like oh, thank you thank you so much this this means so much to me yeah I feel like, <laughs> uh yeah i mean season's gonna happen i i think mm -hmm. of all the sports baseball is the easiest sport to uh to try and play a season in um basketball i i'm very very cool on basketball actually coming back i don't each each day that we get where we don't hear anything or more people contract the virus i feel less likely that basketball will return but baseball baseball is very 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 possible and the plan, as described in Nightingale's article, is very, very, very feasible to me. And I'm going to say that regardless because I need to speak the Dodgers and the Astros being in the same division into existence. That has to happen. If there is any justice in this world, that will happen. Of course, it doesn't matter because, like, I don't think that Kershaw is going to risk 
suspension in a shortened season <laughs> by chucking a ball at you know Bregman's head or something like that. But the uh, the possibility of it happening is much much more enticing. Than the possibility of it not happening. I'm all I'm all for it. Game. Oh man. So yes, as as uh, if you haven't heard already, the uh, the latest proposal, as laid out by Bob Nightingale, um, is there would be three ten team divisions where you just combine the the West divisions, the Central divisions, and the East divisions for both American League and National League. Teams would play in their home stadiums, presumably to empty empty stands. Yeah. Maybe by the end of the season, some some fans. Um, Heavily socially distanced, uh, probably on a lottery system for tickets. Um, and uh, a universal yeah. DH. Oh, I, that's that's number two right there. Yeah, yeah. How? So okay, I. This is we will we will get baseball. I I like I've said we won't. But if this is the plan they use, and there's a universal DH, how can you ever go back to there not being a universal? that it's going to be so much better yeah who nobody besides you know your great uncle who was alive for world war ii wants to see pitchers hit nobody <laughs> nobody does it's bad it's boring it's bad baseball yeah I, no i i i agree because like i, I um I, the, the biggest argument to keeping the national league and american league dh separate um that i uh, the biggest argument i hear is just people appealing to tradition and 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 saying like this it's something it's fun to have a difference between the two leagues and um david basset always likes to bring up the argument of like sometimes pitchers get hits and that's exciting and uh you know what's more exciting the dh launching a bomb (laughs) to win the game that's way more exciting. He used the same sort of argument when they um, when they took away the intentional walk where you have to throw pitches where he's like, hey, sometimes that pitch goes to the backstop and that's pretty crazy. Like, yep. <sighs> count on you can count on one hand how many times that happened <laughs> in the history of the sport. It's I that tradition is my least favorite argument about keeping anything alive in baseball. It, it holds no weight to me. It holds no emotional bearing. None of that. I don't. I don't care. Do not. Care. Where I do enjoy having the pitcher spot hit is like in video games, where I enjoy the strategy of baseball. So it's fun to, I don't know, have that as a wild card in my strategy. But um, in terms of watching the game and in terms of roster construction, um, it's. It is it is wild still that the American League has this incredible advantage over the National League where you can have people on your team that have that are only there to hit. Um, it completely changes your roster construction. It, um, it, it changes the uh, the uh, offensive output, obviously. Um, it, it there's. Yeah, I, I would love to see the Universal DH say after this. I, I get it. Like it is it is interesting and I do enjoy the strategy of it, but at the same time, like it, it puts the National League at such a weird disadvantage. Cause like yeah. 
there's guys like like for example this year edwin rio suddenly has a much greater purpose on the dodgers because uh because he can actually be used as a dh he's not necessarily a bad defender he's just he's very redundant on the roster currently like he's he could really only play first and corner outfielder. He was he was working at third a little bit in spring, but if Edwin Rios is ever our third baseman, it's because things have gotten uh, pretty bad. Um, yeah. So uh, it's it would be nice to to be able to have people like that on the roster, where um, you're also extending the careers of multiple guys. Um, Jock is it would be way more useful as well. Um, you can you can use Jock at DH a lot. Um, it also, it, going back to like Shohei Otani didn't consider the Dodgers because of the fact that like um, hit every day. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it, there's 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 a lot of reasons. No, it's uh, yeah, no, it's that's always been the thing. That's always been the main sticking point for me. Is like yeah, it, like you said, like it changes the way you can construct your roster, and that means that. Like yeah, is Wins Turner a free agent like next year, or the year after? I believe this uh, this I coming off season. I think this is his contract season. Is it? Yeah, I uh, thought he signed a four year deal. Yeah, because because that it was Jansen, Turner, and Hill the same off season. Hill signed three, Turner took four, and Jansen got five. So um, yeah, um, so yeah, Turner's a free agent after the season. Uh, yes, indeed he is. Twenty twenty one, he's an free agent. Uh, it is much easier to sign a 35-year-old Justin Turner as a DH yeah. than it is to sign him as a third baseman. And if you have Justin Turner at DH, it's easier to move Corey Seager to third base mm-hmm. and extend him. And then, you know, you can do anything you want at shortstop. Uh, sign Francisco Lindor next offseason. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's any number of things you can do. Yeah. I think I think if this season happens, people will realize that the NL has been you know basically playing baseball with one hand behind their back for 50 whatever years it is however long the dh is i i love the dh i always try to like the way i always look at it is like i always love to ask people that love you know pitchers hitting like if they would be okay if if the 2017 world series had come down to you know you have game seven uh, runners on second and third, two outs, and your only option is to have Clayton Kershaw or somebody pinch hit. Would you be okay with that? Right. And if they say no, they're lying. Or if they say yes, they're lying. They're straight up lying to you. Didn't that happen in the division series last year with the Nationals where one of the games, it got to the point where Kershaw had to pinch hit? I feel like I that just so. happened. Who knows? We're just, we're so used to it. Yeah, that it doesn't phase us anymore. But right. yeah, like the option of having Edwin Rios get to play every day, or Jock, or any number of the guys that they have on the roster that are very good at hitting baseballs, which is like almost all of them. It's ideal. Yeah, which brings us back to to this uh, this proposal. Um, I believe also rosters are going to be expanded like crazy. They might have full 40-man rosters as their active roster throughout the season, which would be wonderful because you can have a 20-man bullpen or whatever. But um, they'll probably have to... They'll employ like a six, seven-man rotation, which is a great advantage for the Dodgers because they have about eight starting pitchers at the moment. Um, and then by by having a, a ton of bullpen flexibility, you don't have to uh, run out guys on short rest and 
Um, the the expanded rosters will be nice. I think I think that's a thing, and I saw that because there were the mixed reports during the week of like somebody said that the entire minor league baseball season is going to be canceled, um, which probably should be. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, but yeah, you can't. Play. I could see a way of maybe just having teams sort of work out in team facilities. Yeah. um, Heavily distanced and all, but I don't think there's any reason enforcing a minor league season. No. Um, But, and then, but then that would, that would be the makeup for it is that you have a full 40 man roster in the majors, um, which would be nice for the entire season. Uh, but but let's look at these new divisions. And the other thing is that there's there will be an expanded playoff format. That hasn't been drawn out yet as to what that could look like. And I was trying to mentally come up with it, and I'm not sure. Well, how would you have would like? It. Would you have like buys? You would have to. It's. Uh, eh, I don't. Because how do you get it to? You would pr- you'd have to somehow get it down to like an eight team bracket because you can't really do a four team bracket because you have you would just have one league wide wild card which would be odd. Um, I I can see them doing maybe a four team bracket in each division, but then how do you how do you get a fourth team into a full league bracket? And then, yeah, this it's. It's going to be an interesting thing. I, I, I have no idea how they're going to manage that, but um, but let's kind of let's let's look at each division here, and kind of prognosticate a little bit in terms oh, of. <laughs> love yeah. it. I love the pro. There we go. Um, um so, so let's let's start in the West. Um, you have Dodgers, Angels, Giants, A's, Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Rangers, Astros, Mariners. Dodgers um, still win that division. Yeah, Dodgers should win that games. Um, I I think the Astros are still going to be really good, but uh, there's going to be a lot of emotion for them. Tough. I I feel like second place in that division is the A's, and then it's it's honest crap. Like yeah, that, that's that's such a good alignment for the Dodgers. Right. Exactly. Because um. Yeah, no, I do think the A's will, will do well. I think the Angels are going to be better this year. I think they will be able to contend. Um, their their rotation is still very limited, but if Otani's 100%, that's going to be a huge help. Their offense is pretty stacked now. Yeah, they're going to win a lot of games like 14 to 12. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I see the Angels being in the top half of that division. I do think the Astros... I I, I could see it being Dodgers A's. I th- I think the Astros will still be able to get to third, um, even though you have no Garrett Cole. Um, that offense is basically the same. But yeah, I could see the distraction is definitely going to be there. But at the same time, this all this shit has eased. It has, their, yeah, they've been really loving this, man. Yeah, unfortunately, they are the biggest winners out of this whole situation, which just makes it even more terrible. Um, Jesus. And then the trying to come up with a top five out of this division. It's yeah. I, after, after the Dodgers, the A's, the angels and the Astros, it's a bunch of who I, 
I will never take the Padres seriously. No. Can't. Couldn't. You couldn't pay me enough to ever do that. <laughs> they're they're still a couple years away. Um, I, that, and that every and, is, has talent, but they're young still. And every time the Padres are a couple years away, they make some dumbass trade. Yeah. For a guy that's not going to help them. <laughs> and then they set themselves back four or five years. Yeah. The Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks are a more immediate threat. Yeah. Padres. I, I was saying that the Diamondbacks are probably, they would round out the top five there. And then the Rockies Giants, are like six. Giants wow. are going to be, uh, Giants are probably going to be good in two or three. Which, you know, Dodgers need to win one now before the Dodgers, or the Dodgers need to win one now before the Giants figure out how to fucking play baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what a, what a trash division. Uh, let's look at the Central. You have the Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, Cardinals, Royals, Reds, Indians, Twins, Braves, Tigers. Um, I think there's deceptively a lot of talent in that division. Yeah, I mean, probably the Brewers top, right? Yeah, they, they, they oh, should be uh, better the Braves. I think, I think actually the Braves would win that division. I, I think the Twins. Hold on, wait a minute. This is a, that's a typo. Are the Braves really? The Braves aren't. Yeah, the Braves. The Braves are in the Central for some reason. I when I first saw this plan, I, I, oh. uh, I, I laughed about that as well. It's okay. Uh, it's because they they flipped the Pirates and Braves because yeah. The Pirates. Because yeah, I mean yeah, it wouldn't make sense to have teams in Philadelphia. Not yeah, it probably them. makes probably makes the travel easier. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, okay. Um, and that makes that make because the Braves are stacked. Um, I could see the Braves winning that division. Um, the Brewers would do well. I I still think the Cardinals are are very good. Um, I think the Reds are going to surprise people this year. I think that's going to be that is going to be a very competitive division for yeah the entirety of what we'll call the season. Yeah, because it's for very. The Cubs, right, f the Cubs. <laughs> I was gonna say it. I don't think the Cubs finished in the top five in that division. No, I don't think so either. Um, because I think the Reds will be better than them. I think the Twins will be better than them. Which, if this somehow makes it way makes its way to Cubs Twitter, we will be uh, <laughs> played alive. <laughs> I I'd put the Cubs sixth in that division because um, I mean they'll be better than the Royals, Tigers, and White Sox, and and the Indians are. And they've they've been trading away a lot of the talent they have. They still like I don't know. The Indians are still decent. They still have a, a good amount of talent there, and their rotation even without Kluber and Bauer now, um, Bieber should take a step forward. See, this is what's crazy is we have gone so long between the off season and playing games. I completely forgot that Kluber is not Cleveland Indian. Yeah, yeah. It's there's going to be like a week. Whenever they decide, like, okay, so we're going to start the season on June 15th or whatever, there's going to have to be, like, a week of programming just reminding everybody what happened. <laughs> like, how many Red Sox fans are going to be like, I think this is Mookie's year. He's going to win another MVP. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I, uh, like, honestly, even before you mentioned it, I totally forgot that Garrett Cole was a Yankee. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I completely spaced on that. And good God, the Yankees should definitely run away with their division. Right. That is, 
it, it really does the way these are all set up it looks like we are on a uh, a collision course for a Yankees Dodgers World Series of course it's baseball and nothing ever happens the way it should play out on paper so yeah. we're going to end up something like the Nationals <laughs> the Brewers or something like that um well, yeah, let's speaking of the East, you have the Yankees, Mets, Red Sox, Nationals, Orioles, Phillies, Pirates, Blue Jays, Rays, and Marlins. Um, yeah, the Yankees should win that. Um, the Rays are, are very good, and, and people I don't think will ever fully acknowledge that. Yeah. Um, I, could, I could see the Rays finishing second in that division. I think the Phillies will be better this year. Um, they should should be able to contend now. Uh, the Nationals are going to be interesting because that rotation is still stacked because it's the same as last year. Um, yeah. No Rendon now. Um, they, that offense kind of, I don't want to say overperformed because they still had, you know, with Rendon and Soto in the middle of the lineup, that's still a, a very good lineup. And with a lucky. The top. But yeah, they, I mean, when you get production from Howie Kendrick in the postseason, there's. Like it's, you know it, it's baseball random yeah. shit happens every year but uh, what who's the who's the champion if dave roberts doesn't have a stroke yeah and doesn't let kershaw pitch in yeah. a game he didn't need to pitch in? yeah like or you know what if the dodgers if uh who was a gavin lux almost walked off in that game yeah like whatever like the nationals they got lucky it's what it is. I, I don't know. They're, they won it, They won, and thank God they did, because if the Astros won... Can you imagine how different the scandal would have been if the Astros had won the World Series? I know. Jesus. Uh, but I... And a Nationals fans can... I, they can enjoy it. If, if the Dodgers won the World Series because fucking, you know, Edwin Rios or Kike Hernandez just hit 650 for the World Series... And, you know, there's a fucking loop double that walks off game seven. I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. And I will still tell you that it's a lucky fucking way to win. Mm-hmm. It, it's just there's there's a lot in baseball that you just cannot control. And, uh, I feel like it's one of the only sports. that exists that kind of, uh, way, I guess. Well, looking ahead to the World Series, speaking of the World Series, um, Dave Roberts, uh, once again, uh, Bob Nightingale is, is just breaking news left and right. You know, if there's anybody who is thriving in this pandemic, it is Bob Nightingale. Uh, so Bob, Bob had, a, had an article with, uh, he had an interview with Dave Roberts earlier in the week. And uh, Roberts was asked if, um, if winning the 2020 World Series would be any different than uh than winning a normal season because you're going to have a shortened season you're going to have weird alignments and shit like that um robert said there will be no asterisk when you look at all the hurdles keeping your team together emotionally and what your players have to do differently to prepare for the season you can argue it would mean more than going through the duration and grind of an eight-month season um so i mean i i i agree with that and and i I I think that's a fair thing to say. I think that if um whatever team wins the World Series, there's going to be fans that will easily just put out their 
dumb tweets about how like the season didn't really count because they shaved off 60 games. But like, I, I think about it though. Like you're, you can, you can throw out 60 games in a normal season anyway. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there, the season is so long. It's such a grind that I think a hundred over a hundred games, you're able to, to figure out who the best team is. That, yeah. that that's not, that's not, there's, think. there's, uh, there's 162 games in a regular season. Correct. Yeah. So uh, if you win a hundred games, you're considered a really good team. Yeah. So you're right. Like there's, there's 60 losses right there anyway. So yeah, who cares? Yeah. Because, no, that's, that's a good point. Does yeah. anyone, does anyone, if you walked up to a random person on the street that maybe likes sports, knows enough about sports to consider themselves a sports fan. And you said, Hey, do you know that LeBron James won his first title in a shortened season? Do you think they would care? Or do you think they would know that? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it, it changes nothing. If anything, like Dave said, it makes it more difficult. Yeah. I think with, uh, the challenges of this year and how complicated, uh, just being able to hold the season will be. Yeah. Um, I think it's super impressive. Whoever, whoever wins this season. In fact, I think you'll, you'll have an even truer example of who the best team in baseball is based on because the world series baseball playoffs can be such a crapshoot because a lot uh-huh. of times it turns into momentum. And as much as I want to believe that momentum is a bullshit concept that people just like to throw out there as a, as a fun narrative to talk about, we see all the time that momentum is legit in, in, at the end of the season, not necessarily because like, for example, in, in 2017, the Dodgers were God awful in September coming into the playoffs and everyone's yeah. like, Oh, well, geez, they're, they're going to, they're going to lose out. <laughs> They'll yeah. be done in the first round because look at what they're doing in September. But that was really a result of the fact that you have expanded rosters in September. Um, you're resting a lot of your normal guys. You're, you're, putting relievers in situations that they're probably not going to be in in the postseason and so because of that uh you you can throw out a good amount of games in september um but we see momentum in fact actualize itself within the postseason and think of like there are examples of teams that that go on crazy runs in september and and bring that into the postseason like the rockies in um what was it? Oh eight or whatever. When they, when they went all the way to the postseason, when they went all the way to the world series um, and then sat on their hands for 10 days because they, they won every game going into to the world series, but then they had to wait for the ALCS to, to end. And then because of that, they got blown out by the Red Sox because they had no business of actually being in the world series that year. They just got on an insane hot streak at the end of September because they had to perform at that level throughout September in order to get into the postseason as it was. And then they took that momentum into the division series and the championship series, and they dominated those series, but then they sat around and waited for the world series. They cooled off like crazy. And then they were destroyed by the Red Sox who were a much better team. So um, we see momentum happen all the time in the postseason, and the, you know, we can do an entire episode on the fact that the Giants really didn't deserve any of those championships. Um, <laughs> I, I would, I think 2012 was the year where they were legitimately one of the best, if not the best team in baseball. But 2014 was won entirely by Madison Bumgarner. Yeah. And 
2010 was they were a strike away from being eliminated in the division series against the Reds that season. Like they, they yeah. got so lucky. Um, and they, you know, throughout all those series, they got, had guys like Marco Scudero and Travis Ishikawa who were just out of nowhere producing like crazy. Okay. <laughs> so a bunch, like, bunch of legitimate Jags yeah. turning into turning into Babe Ruth. <laughs> so, I mean, to conclude, basically, I think this season you're going to have a more truer champion because with fewer games involved in the, in the season, uh, every regular season game is going to be much more important. So they will be managed as much more important. You know, we're not going to see, um, I'm trying to think of a, of a, you know, a random early, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to throw Scott Alexander in a one run game in the eighth inning, uh, just to see what he has this season. And not not saying that he's incapable of handling that it's, there's not going to be any experiments like that in the bullpen where you have a lot of late season games lost because of that, because you're, you're, mixing and matching and you're trying to find what's going to work best in the postseason. this season you these regular season games are much more significant and uh the the world series and the playoffs itself are taking place typically around like late july early august baseball where you have teams playing at their best level because they're hitting their stride mid-season and uh so we're going to see that sort of level of play actually in the postseason in the world series i think it'll be fun and um you yeah basically roberts is right there's there there is no asterisk on this season whoever wins even if it's the giants no no if the giants do if the giants win there's a big old asterisk (laughs) if this season never happened if the the world series is here no um but yeah no i i think uh that good old Capital M. Speaking of the Giants, though, um, did you see about a week ago that um, there were reports that Yasiel Puig is probably going to sign with the Giants? Yeah. <laughs> and I know Dodger fans love Puig, but like that's what Dodger fans do. Like they get attached to guys, and like they only remember the good stuff. Um, I think we can kind of look at the trajectory of his career after leaving the Dodgers and be like, damn, maybe, uh, maybe they were right to trade him. Yeah. And maybe they were right that he was an issue in the clubhouse. Cause he's stuck absolutely nowhere where like he's been, he's been with Cincinnati and Cleveland since yeah. then. And now he's going to maybe be signed after this quarantine, uh, ends like maybe not even a definite. Right. Yeah, so the, like, the report the report comes from Francis Romero, who's a he's a baseball writer. He's part of the Baseball Writers Association of America. He's uh, and he said that Yasiel Puig is very close to sign with the San Francisco Giants. A source tells me the contract is, amount is unknown, but would have a one year option. Both sides, Puig and the Giants, are waiting for MLB to clarify the return date of baseball to make the official agreement. Okay, yeah, cool, man. I, I don't know. It doesn't. Good for him, I guess, for getting a job, but I'm not going to sit there and rue the day that the Dodgers let him go because he very clearly has issues with, you know, um, well, basically, he very clearly has all the issues that we wanted to ignore when he was here because he had a really good first game or first month, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I would. Yeah. Yeah. it it moves no needles for me whatsoever. 
but ah. it is it is funny to see Dodger fans get all in a tizzy because Puig might play for the Giants. It's I I personally love Yasiel Puig. I I had so much fun watching him. I was actually um excuse me um I was at his his uh his first his major league debut. Um, I went because um because that night they did a uh what was it called a, a sports media marketing or not um the fuck what's the word I'm thinking of. Uh, you know, uh, networking. Jesus Christ, I haven't had to do it in so long. Now I'm, uh, <laughs> they had a sports media networking event where um, me and, and a friend of mine from college, we um, we we wore, you know, we we got all business casual, and uh, they had like a, a a set up near like the left field reserve section, a bunch of different tables, and you just walked around and gave people your resume, and um. It was it was actually it was really cool because it was for like a bunch of different teams had set up there like the um, the Clippers had a had a spot the the Sparks the Galaxy um, there was one that was it was for the StubHub Center and um, I just kind of you just kind of got in line and just waited to go up and give these people your elevator pitch and then throw a resume at them and say hey, thanks uh, let me intern there um, <laughs> and uh, I. It was one was for the StubHub Center, but I didn't realize that was like right after it had changed from the Home Depot Center to the StubHub Center. Uh, I didn't know that they had changed their name. So I just thought it was for StubHub in general. Yeah. And so I walk up there and I'm telling them all about like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I could I could I definitely I love uh, live sports and. Uh, you guys are selling tickets and whatnot. <laughs> like I, I talked to them as if they were StubHub, and the guy goes, "All right, cool. So we're actually StubHub Center. It's where the Galaxy play." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh shit, <laughs> okay." Um, but uh, I, I threw out a bunch of resumes at a bunch of people that night, and uh, the the Clippers actually sent me a letter back saying, uh, "We're not offering any internships at the time, but thanks for applying." And so that's that's, <laughs> that's just how the Clippers do business, man. The Clippers went out of there. Most most teams didn't send anyone anything. The Clippers and and the Sparks, I think, sent me an email saying, "Hey, thanks for showing interest." Uh, no, but that's. I, you know, I would you. rather I would rather not get anything back than get a get a thanks but no thanks letter, <laughs> especially from the Clippers. Like how how depressing that must be. I know. I saved that letter. It's somewhere because uh, I uh, it was it was fun to at least have the Clippers letterhead and them telling me that they wouldn't even hire me as an intern. <laughs> but bullshit at that at that point they might have needed you on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was Puig's major league debut where he uh, he threw out that game ended with a double play where yep. uh, he caught the ball on the warning track and then threw out a guy at first base which was insane um and yeah that that i don't know watching puig that season was so fun and i i enjoyed puig, puig's antics um i love the fact that like cardinals fans always got pissed off that he ever showed any emotion yeah um and then yachty would scream at the top of his lungs to be like oh look look at us look how classy we are and look at us how we're not showing emotion as we over enunciate our emotion to yeah. try to make a point i mean there's there's good stuff with puig and obviously that's that was always fun and especially at the time it was nice but 
I don't know. I I feel like you get the same kind of attitude out of guys like Muncie. Yeah. Without the uh, without the added theatrics or the added having to deal with like like uh, Molina getting mad at him or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. The only person that's ever lost their mind at Max is Bumgarner, and that's always hilarious. Um, Puig also. I mean, we it. it it does need to be mentioned that he was legitimately good in the postseason as well. Like he was, that is very true. He was a heavy contributor in the postseason. Um, the best moment of well, no, the second best moment of the uh, 2018 World Series was Puig's home run off of what's that, Eduardo Rodriguez? I think um, so. He got so pissed. through his mat, through his glove yeah. on the ground. Yeah. And then Ryan Madsen came in and, and pitched underhand. And then that was it. <laughs> the World Series was over. Um, <laughs> but but uh, the best moment, obviously, was Muncy's walk-off. That, that, yeah. was, that was wonderful. Um, that game, oh, my God. That fucking 18-inning game where I had to work in the morning the next day. <laughs> and, and, like, every inning that would go by, I'm like, I just, I, I drank a lot I, of water that night like it was it was not i was uh yeah no i was um i was in vegas for my birthday and the game started we got on our lift to go see blink 182 at their residency Mm. we saw blink 182 at their residency we got in the lift to go home and the game was still on we got in the we got back to the hotel and i think it was like the 15th inning and that was all in the span of like six hours so yeah, that was a great, great game. Uh, very happy with the way it turned out, and would not trade it for anything in the world. I hate that. I hate that series. I hate that series more than I hate seventeen, because I kind of talked myself into the Dodgers kind of being able to win that one. I was like, oh, there could be the sneaky underdog. They could, they could luck into a win or two, and then it's like, psych, the Red Sox are just really fucking good. Yeah. I don't know. I never when we won the 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 championship series in 2018, I I was I was pretty satisfied at that point cuz I was yeah, like they, yeah, that season, that season was such a gr- fucking grind. Yeah. Like they, was, they they got to the World Series on their down year. Like that was pretty crazy. Um more and, about the more about the Brewers eating shit. Yeah. That was more fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, once they got to the World Series, I was pretty like, and I was still, I was still so emotionally beat up from the 2017 World Series that when they got to the 18 one, I was just like, man, whatever happens, happens. Like they're not the Red Sox were the best team in baseball that year, and yeah, because they were cheating a little bit. Um, but I mean, they were they were also loaded like crazy. So you know, when <laughs> when they got to that World Series, I'm like, all right, well, they're not they're not going to win this, so. Whatever they they got another pennant that's cool, um, would have been nice, but you know, hey, you gotta be real. Speaking of Blink, um, so Tom DeLonge found those aliens, and yep. and the U- <laughs> the uh, the government uh, confirmed that they have no idea what those are. Like <laughs> those are legit UFOs. That's Tom's I- an absolute. He's a king. There's <laughs> there's uh there's no there's no doubt about it. Uh, Tom DeLong should be running for president. If he's not this year, he should definitely consider it in 2024. Uh, I would vote for him in a heartbeat. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's crazy that 
the government can be like, so uh, UFOs are real. Yeah. And it kind of just registers as like the smallest little blip on the radar. <laughs> that fell by the wayside so quickly. It's like so everybody quick. on Twitter that night is like, oh shit, that's that's wild. Um, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, every, you know, it, it got a small little like, oh wow, that's crazy, bro. <laughs> Might as well, like, why not? You know, I, now is the time to just unleash the UFOs on everyone because, yeah. whatever, it, it's all possible at this point. So, why not? Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, UFOs, murder hornets, whatever 2020 can do nothing. There's nothing that 2020 can do anymore that would surprise me. That's so sick that he was the one who actually released those, though. I know. He pushed the government to the point where they're like, all right, yeah, fine. We don't know what those are. Like, I don't, <laughs> sorry, but we can't tell you. We have no idea. This came out of nowhere. It's just, but, uh, it's, uh, it's so funny that the dude that was like, you know, in Blink-182 is like somehow a, uh, a UFO guy. <laughs> the leading ufo expert in the world at this point which is you know it's it's good that he's uh making use of his post blink time because i'm i'll be real the blink without tom is fucking garbage i'll say it <laughs> I, I, I don't think they're good at all like and i like matt skiba a lot because alkaline trio is very good um yeah. i think their new shit is just bad <laughs> i don't yeah i don't i don't listen to uh i haven't listened to the albums that they put out but the shows are fine. Kiba mm. can emulate DeLong's voice well enough. Yeah. Where it's not super distracting. Uh, at like almost everyone in our age group, I grew up listening to Blink-182, and I thought Enema of the State was just the coolest thing ever. Uh-huh. And I always wanted to see Blink. That was always one of my goals. And then... Uh, we saw like Musing... I saw like Musing 2015. Uh, they were they were gonna headline, uh-huh. and I told I told Victoria I'm like, dude, we have to go to this. I've always wanted to see Blink, blah blah blah. I don't think she cares that much about Blink. I if she listens to this, I'm sure I'll get a te- or when she listens to this, I'm sure I'll get a text saying I like Blink 182, <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, that's fine, sure. Um, but yeah, like then so we get tickets. I'm super stoked. I'm like, fuck yes, finally gonna see Blink. And then like a week before, it's like, yeah, Tom DeLonge is no longer part of Blink 182. So I'm like, what the fuck, man? And then they announced, like, Skiba's gonna fill in for him. I'm like, okay, whatever. And it was a good show. Like, it was still fun. And, you know, then I saw them saw them play the forum with Skiba, and then we saw them at their Vegas residency. They're they're fine, but I, I really want a Blink-182 reunion with Tom and them. Mm-hmm. It's, and that that will happen that will happen at some point eventually yeah like as far as i know they're still friendly with each other Mm -hmm. it's just very clear that tom wanted to go his own way and mark and travis didn't want to go that way but yeah like i i even was listening to that last album they did and even that is just so much better than either of the two new things that they've put out yeah yeah no i i think um there's there's a there's a shocking amount of money in these sort of like mid 2000s pop punk revival oh, yeah. is sort of thing. And like because like My Chemical Romance, they, they came back and it was, it was such a big deal to a lot of people because like 
I mean, I didn't give a shit when My Chemical Romance reunited. Not not that I don't like them. I, I do think they actually have good stuff. But um, people were clamoring for them to reunite literally the day after they announced that they broke up. Yeah. That it, just, it just it completely cheapened any sort of reunion they were ever going to have because people were were whining about it for years. Because you know, I you know, I I went to I went to Warp Tour for like a decade, <laughs> and uh, so I like I follow that sort of dialogue and 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 what people are are clamoring for in that scene, and it was endlessly every every time it got around the rumors for who would be on Warped next year, people are like, oh well, this is the year that Michael Rome is going to reunite and play Warped Tour, and I'm like, you motherfuckers, like let it go, like Jesus Christ, and so of course they came back and reunited because because people have been demanding that like crazy and good good for them but also i think i don't know when when bands like break up and reunite so haphazardly it just kind of cheapens the whole breakup process because i think especially now if bands are big enough and they're young enough still where they break up like that i just mentally go oh well they're gonna reunite in like five years and do a a headlining tour that's gonna rake money because people people are are convinced that nostalgia is things that are like three years old so uh, you know it, it, uh, i um no I, I i think and i have seen blink live as well i i saw them one time i it was but that was with matt skiba and that was their their tour with a day to remember they played at the santa barbara bowl and um all american rejects was the the, the yeah they were the the first openers and they, they technically that's the first concert I've ever been to. I don't count it because it was at the Ventura County Fair, and I don't like to tell people that that was my first concert. Um, but but uh, um, I saw All American Rejects at the Ventura County Fair in I don't know, like two thousand six, two thousand five, or so. And um, they they're, they they opened on that Blink tour, and they're so fucking terrible now. They are just god awful. Not that they were fantastic to begin with, but like. Oh my god. They they the venue, you know, the music that they play between bands at the venue, there was this song playing that I had never heard before and I literally turned to my friends and I go, "Holy shit, this song is so bad." And they look at me and go, "This is All American Rejects." And I'm like, "Wait, why first of all, why are they playing this song when their band is is about to play? And secondly, this is fucking garbage. Like this is really really bad." And sure enough, All American Rejects come on and play that song, and I loudly said at the end of the song, "Holy shit, that was bad." <laughs> I'm just like, "Oh my, I had never been so appalled by a live performance in my life." Poor guy from All American Rejects could hear you. He just he felt so bad. <laughs> Honestly, he might have been able to because nobody was uh, responding in the crowd that day. There you go. They're from uh, they're from Stillwater, Oklahoma. Nothing good ever comes out of Stillwater, Oklahoma. <laughs> uh, see, no, you know, we all got to start somewhere. I I definitely kind of I at least in our office, I feel like I'm the shows guy. Like I, I've I've definitely been to a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. and go to a lot of shows and love to go to shows and go to all different kinds of shows uh my first concert was um sugar ray and sugar ray and lisa Loeb. <laughs> my my mom dragged me along with her because she didn't want to go by herself so uh, that's the first show i've ever been to oh man yeah you know, we all gotta start somewhere Never. yeah no that's true 
Sugar Ray. The Sugar Ray oh, also dude. played the Ventura County Fair within the last like three years. They played with Smash Mouth. It was a, oh. a combo of Smash Mouth and Sugar Ray. Well, see, which, that can't miss. No, that is, that is a meme tour. <laughs> it's just, oh, God. Um, but yeah, no, when I saw Blink at, uh, in Santa Barbara, um, Travis Barker is the talent of that band. Like it's, it's, it's he's, not even, he's, he's, he's so incredible. Good. Um, and I like, I, I kind of liked Travis Barker before seeing them. Um, but I had always felt like, I, I, I always thought that like people kind of made too much of a, of, of a big deal about him. Um, in terms of like, I wouldn't say that he was overrated. Uh, he was just an oddly large celebrity for being the drummer of Blink-182. I just, I, you know what I mean? Like, I always yeah. thought kind of like it was odd how how big of a celebrity he was. But then I saw him play and I'm like, oh, no, this, this guy's fantastic. <laughs> He's incredible. Because did you did you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast that he was on? No, I did not. You should. You you would have a uh, a. a a deeper respect for the man because uh, yeah, he's, I would love to sit down and just listen to Travis Barker talk. So I will, he's just, he's so good at what he does. I, yeah. I was at FYF one year and run the jewels brought him out for the song that they did together. Mm. And it's just, it's just nuts to watch him do what he does. He, um, and on that podcast, he talks about like, well, first just in terms of his live performance, like he's had, He's had so many surgeries just because of the intensity that he plays with. And yeah. um and he's there, you know, dr- medical experts, other drummers, people have told him constantly like, "Yo, you should stop doing that cuz you're literally going to kill yourself <laughs> because of the way that you're playing. You're going to fuck up your back so bad that you're not going to be able to walk anymore." And he's like, "Ah, right, well, this is just how I play, so I don't <laughs> I can't I can't not play this way." He he plays with an incredible amount of intensity and he plays that same way every single night that's that's fucking bonkers that's- um but like also he talked about his you know the the plane accident and um yeah you have a you have a very deeper level of respect for him once you listen to him talk about the fact that he he should have died in that in that plane crash um and he should have died in the 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 aftermath of the plane crash and quite frankly the fact that he like didn't kill himself from the aftermath of the plane crash is incredible because for one he had burns over his entire body and for weeks for like at least three weeks i thought it was um he he would have to go through this sort of surgery where they would slowly scrape off every burn on his body and and he had to go through that process weeks on end of them just scraping parts of his skin off um and he also he didn't know that DJ AM died until like three weeks after the accident. And so then he goes through this whole process of uh, scraping off every cell of skin on his body. And then, uh, you know, he had multiple broken bro- bones and a bunch of internal damage. And then he goes through the mental process of realizing that his friend died and he didn't even know it for weeks on end. Like, it's just it, he terrible terrible experience and it makes sense as to why he you know he doesn't fly in planes anymore like they yeah. blink doesn't play international shows unless he has a way of getting there uh not by plane so um like that was the thing with like firefest you know <laughs> like, like they were supposed to play firefest and that That's was a right. big deal for him because like he he would have had to 
Um, and that that's why also they were like the first one to pull out of it because it was just going to be a process of just getting Travis to the festival because he would have had to travel by car from Southern California to Florida and then get on a boat and then take that like he it was it would have been a huge process to get him just to get him there. And then they heard about how shitty it was. And he's like, all right, Ian, like, we're just not going to go. <laughs> like, that's, <laughs> this isn't happening. See you guys later. Yeah. Um, which was a good call. Um, but yeah, no, it's he's he's insane. Like that dude is he's he's, he's gone through heavy shit. Yeah, he's. And, it's it's kind of funny, like. Obviously, Travis is the most talented guy in the group. And then you have tom who yeah obviously i mean i don't know actually like going back and listening to like angels and airwaves and especially boxcar racer mm-hmm. he's also very talented as well yeah uh kind of feels like mark is just along for the ride mark is easily the least talented one yeah of the like, and, it's not even close <laughs> yeah, he's he's got a penchant for marketing and obviously because yeah. growing up i was always like oh yeah this is the lead this guy's the lead of blink 182 yeah and I, I really do like my my conspiracy theory is that like when Travis and Tom did Boxcar Racer, it really kind of showed just how heavy they were carrying the band, uh, and that definitely I feel like started the uh, started the split between the three of them. And Mark is just extremely lucky that Travis picked Blink One Eighty Two instead of being like, all right, so I'll just play drums or something in Angels and Airwaves. That would have been, would have been GGs for for Mark Hoppus. Yeah, yeah, because like, I, I mean, I think the new stuff shows that 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 dude is very limited in his skill set in comparison to the rest of the the rest of the band. And you know, he's he's their bassist, and he's not a very good singer. Like, <laughs> he's he's uh. But you know, I would I would gladly trade my life for Mark Hoppus's. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, he's. I'm not trying to say that he's not talented at all. It's just in comparison to the other guys, it's it's night and day. Yeah, no, not even close. Um, what, a, what a great tangent that was, man! That was, that was. Now we can we can segue into the only sporting event that happened in the last yeah six months or whatever it feels like it's been. I I cannot tell you how long it's been since sports went away. I. It it feels simultaneously like yesterday, like we were sitting in the the room and watching the Thunder game get canceled, <laughs> and yeah. kind of sit there and being like, "Wow, this is crazy." And it it simultaneously feels like yesterday and also a year and a half ago. It's it's just nuts. No, fucking but, all this uh, all this stuff is making me care about the Last Dance. Like I don't think I would have watched the Last. Yeah, Dance I. What's were going on right now? I get. I I guess we can talk about that too. I I, I haven't I haven't watched it because I don't care. It's I, it's mildly interesting. Yeah, like I've put it on. Like I I've kind of put it on here and there. Uh, I have no desire whatsoever to partake in the debates because after after Kobe's passing, I was just I realized how pointless this is, and yeah. I don't want to spend any time on the internet arguing with someone about why I think that. LeBron is better than X or why Kobe is better than X or why Michael is better than X. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. It's all it's it all what it it's all that it is. And unfortunately, people have watched this and started to think that 
oh, now millennials can see why Jordan is the best. And I'm like, y'all realize, like, millennials grew up watching Space Jam. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love LeBron James. I love Kobe Bryant. And guess what? Like, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. Like, mm. it's not hard. Right. It's, no, that's, that's a good point. Because, like, I, I, the only games that i remember ever watching michael jordan play is when he was on the wizards and and i know that jordan is i would i would gladly put him either at number one or two or three or whatever you know around there um but i've literally only watched him play for the washington wizards where he was not good at all <laughs> he was uh and it, he didn't need to be like he was he was an aging bench player who tried to play basketball or tried yeah. to play baseball within the last couple of years before that um but yeah i i knew him mostly from space jam it's, and it's just, just what, from what people said about him so yeah it's it's a pointless debate and like uh i believe it was jason that mentioned it on his show this week and is something that's kind of floated around is like jordan has control of the documentary yeah so you're not getting an objective look at his career or his like the the last season that they played together like it is very curated it's only what he wants you to see and so like yeah it's interesting to watch and like i i put it on the other day and my my biggest takeaway from the episode that i watched was that scotty pippen and his family are hideous <laughs> just, just ungodly people to look at but there's not a lot at least from what I've seen that wasn't already known. Yeah. But, um, I do plan on watching tonight's episode just because it's, it's focused on Kobe Yeah. and his relationship with Jordan. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting and simultaneously sad. Yeah. Good. No, the only, the only takeaway I've had really from it is Dennis Rodman's a genius. Oh, <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> that dude was, was brilliant. And somehow got away with just leaving the team to go to Vegas for a day. And Can then you imagine. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is the biggest flex you could possibly have. Just. Just like, all right, I'm out, guys. See you whenever. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> but only like only Dennis Rodman could get away with that. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. And like. People have, you know, been freaking out about his stories and like the Carmen Electra shit and stuff like that, which like we all knew that he dated Carmen Electra. I don't know why people are freaking out about it now. Yeah. Um, and we've we also like, come on, Carmen Electra's always been hot. We know that. Like, yeah, <laughs> come on, <laughs> so it's cool. And everyone knows that Carmen Electra is, was, and it still is very attractive. That's, yeah, it's you know, fine. It's not even. It's not. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like people are feigning. People are like feigning excitement because like this is the only thing there has there's been to be excited about. Yeah. But yeah, like, no, No. you don't got to pretend that everything they say in this documentary is somehow revolutionary. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought by far the most interesting thing was when Rodman was talking about how he assesses rebounds and like how how the way he was able to judge the spin on the ball and shit like that. Like, I thought that was super interesting. That's yeah, Um, that's that's where you're going to get stuff. But I, I just, there's only so much I can take of like Gary Payton or, or Isaiah Thomas being like, yeah, I thought Jordan was an asshole. 
Yeah. And then, you know, the director hands the fucking iPad to Jordan and Jordan <laughs> gets to react to what they said. Like, there's only so much of that I can take before I just tune out entirely. Yeah. So, you know, congratulations to ESPN and LeBron yeah. James for getting this thing on air. But I'm just I'm ready for actual sports to come back. Thank God for the NFL draft, man. I know. I know. We'll we'll wrap things up with the draft because this was actual sports within the last week. That was only last weekend. Feels like it was a month ago. But uh, the draft completed last Sunday. Oh, oh a week from today. Anyway. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm I'm a big Packers fan. Um, and that's not because I'm some weird bandwagoner. Uh, my, my, my grandpa grew up in Green Bay. My entire dad's side of the family grew up as Packer fans. I'm a uh, part owner of the team. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, there's look. Nothing, there is nothing I loathe more than that mentality from Packers fans. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter that there's 5 million other part owners. I, I do, in fact, own a part of the team that is a hundred percent accurate to say. So, um, yeah, I will... let me let me know how the next owners meeting goes. <laughs> let me tell me what Goodell's up to. Um, I will tell you what though they they did not float the the prospect of drafting Jordan Love in the first round by any of us. So um, <laughs> that was cool. What's up with Goose, <laughs> man? You should get on the phone with that guy. He's... Um. So here here are my thoughts on that. Um, well, first on the, the positive outlook, I like Jordan Love a lot. I think that he has a ton of talent. Um, his his arm strength is ridiculous, and he is. Um, there was a a uh, a writer for the Athletic who spoke with a, an NFL scout, and he the scout basically said that like, look, Jordan Love's the only guy who's going to go from college to the NFL and have bigger windows to throw in, in the NFL than he did in college because his receivers were so bad at Utah state that any sort of numbers he did put up were entirely on his doing because receivers were never able to get open. He, he had very limited windows to throw into. Um, and that's why people will cite Lord loves numbers from the last season. And be like, look at what he did in college. He's not that great, but you have to, uh, you have to judge the ability first and foremost and love definitely has that. And um, I, I think he has a, he has a very high ceiling now. The other side, and this is the side that most Packer fans have, have seen first and foremost, and it is correct to uh, analyze it in this way. Uh, it was really weird. <laughs> it's really weird to have a team that just went 13 and three granted. Um, they were at best, a ten and six team that somehow finished thirteen and three. That was a, that was a very, <laughs> very, very tenuous thirteen and three. Yeah. Um. To to have a team that just got to the NFC Championship game, and again, they got destroyed in the NFC Championship game because they were not a team that had any business of being there. But um, you still have a lot of talent on that team, and there are a couple obvious holes, especially when guys like. Blake Martinez or Brian Balaga leaving free agency and uh, where, where you just, uh, you, you, the last game you had was in the NFC championship where they allowed like 200 yards to a man named Raheem Mostert. Um, you would think that the needs that they have are pretty apparent, especially when like Aaron Rodgers, uh half the season 
he didn't have Devonte Adams, so his top receiving target was Guillermo Allison or um, uh, Equinemius St. Brown or Marquez Valdez Scantling. I think St. Brown even got hurt early on in the season. So uh, he's he has very limited talent on offense around him. Granted, um, the run game was spectacular last season where Aaron Jones led the NFL in touchdowns. Jamal Williams was a legit second running back. Um, there's a lot of options and a lot of needs that the team needed. And to use the first pick on a quarterback where uh, Aaron Rodgers, who, mind you, look, there's this big narrative now that people, the, 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 uh, the knee-jerk reaction was, oh, well, the Packers are going to trade Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers should demand a trade, or the Packers are trying to trade him. Um, no, <laughs> because um, it, it, it literally is impossible. It's possible, but it would be monumentally it's, stupid because it, the, it, you'd have $50 million of dead cap space this yeah. year alone. If you trade Aaron, then it's 30 million the year after that. It dwindles a little bit, but you're talking about $80 million in dead cap space in the first two years if you trade Aaron Rodgers. And that that granted, you maybe, maybe the reason why the Packers have not been spending, because that's the other thing. They didn't spend in free agency at all this season. Um, they they spent a bunch last offseason, and it worked great because they brought in Sidarius Smith and Preston Smith and Adrian Amos, all guys who all were heavy contributors on the defense last season. Um, but then to not spend it all this, this past off season, maybe Aaron's contract is, is handcuffing them in some way. I don't think so. I'm not going to buy that. Um, I don't, I don't think that this is a sign that they're trying to move on from Aaron Rodgers. It is very bizarre though, because granted, yeah, Favre was 36 when they drafted Aaron. Aaron is 36 right now, but Favre at 36 was different from Aaron Rodgers at 36. Aaron yeah. is, is in a much better place in his career still, and he is still competing for a championship, but his, his window is absolutely closing. But are we saying now that basically the Packers are going to move on from Rodgers after the next two years? That still seems very soon for him. So um, it was a weird move, and then it was weird also... To, to use the second rounder on AJ Dillon at running back, and then all of a sudden, like you haven't addressed anything, and you're just adding at positions that are already a strength. That was um, a that was a second rounder. Yeah, yeah, Dillon was wow. a second rounder. Um, that was bizarre. Granted, I get Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both free agents next off season, so like it kind of makes sense there. And granted, like when the Ravens drafted um, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Um, people heralded that pick and like, oh my God, these guys are fantastic. And that's their fifth running back. So, you know, whatever. Um, but granted, like that is their game plan is just to run like crazy. So it totally makes sense. Um, but that is also kind of LaFleur's game plan. We saw that last season where, as I said, the run game was a position of strength for them. Granted, you're losing pieces of the offensive line and didn't really address that um, for the most part. I mean, they got some offensive linemen later on in the draft. and But again, they're... The Packers have, um, it, it's kind of the same sort of mindset where like when, when, uh, when Dodger fans said, oh, we don't need to spend money for guys because we have guys like Max Muncy. Grant, when you have guys like Max Muncy, it allows you to spend money in other places to even heighten your luxuries. Um, the Packers, for the last 15 years, they've never drafted a receiver in the first round. All of their 
all of their talent at receiver and running back has been later on in the draft. Granted, Devontae and Greg Jennings, they were second rounders, but Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams were both fifth rounders. Um, and, and they tend to get lucky by finding guys deeper in the draft that have been able to contribute on offense. That's, but, uh, that's good scouting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, is, it is good scouting, but it's also like not sustainable. No. Um, <laughs> it's, it's gambling. And like, granted, you know, not not to not to say that first round picks on receiver always pan out. In fact, a lot of first round picks on receiver end up sucking. I mean, um, first round picks. I, there's this there's this mystique that first round picks are just guaranteed hits and yeah, are always going to work out. Like there's still a it's like a fifty percent bust rate for first rounders. Like yeah, the yeah. entire draft is a is a crapshoot. My my takeaway as a non Packers fan is like I get setting up for the future after Aaron Rodgers because he is what 30 he said 36 or whatever he yeah. is uh but like his contract like you said makes him untradeable yeah so what is your plan exactly because like you're still locked in you let's you're locked into Rodgers for like three years at least uh-huh. that gives you that gives you a year a year of Jordan Love to see if he's the guy before yeah. you have to make a decision on him. Yeah. And that's just, that doesn't make any sense. And I saw that Guten Kunst or whatever his name is, was saying that they really wanted Brandon Ayuk from ASU. And when the Niners jumped ahead of them, they didn't feel that there were any first round talents. Um, that is, that's, that's BS. Cause anyone that watched any sort of Pac-12 football last year, which is not a lot of people, because why would yeah. you suffer through that? Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Pittman is a first yeah. round, first round talent, uh-huh. and uh, no one would have, no one would have been like, oh wow, I can't believe Green Bay took Michael Pittman at twenty six. Yeah, it would have been like, oh wow, Green Bay got Aaron Rodgers a big target. He's gonna really like that, and you completely you avoid all of this. And then if you really, really, really want Jordan Love, just do what Baltimore did and jump back into the first round and take him. Yeah, but. NFL teams all have a problem of overthinking everything. They all do it. Um, honestly, a lot of NFL teams get too caught up in the sunk cost fallacy. Uh, I was. It sucks for this year in the short term. I was super stoked that the Rams decided to cut Gurley and to move on from Cooks. And yeah, like it, it, it's going to eat into their cap this year. But when they don't have that money on the books anymore... They're going to have so much more flexibility. They're going to be able to re-sign Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and it, it's going to be fine. But NFL teams just get so caught up in A, the sunk cost thing, and B, I feel like they care way more about what the media says about them than other sports do. Like, I, I, I feel like a lot of the moves they make across the NFL are so that they don't have to like turn on the herd in the morning and listen to Colin just eviscerate them for whatever move they made. <laughs> yeah. No, I I know. Yeah, I see that. But I I, I under I I sympathize with the frustration. It, it sucks. I mean, my draft experience was waiting till the tenth pick to see who the Browns picked up, and then I checked out until like pick fifty two. <laughs> like. It's uh, it was interesting. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I just, 
Yeah, the the thing that caught my eye was the the not thinking that there was a wide receiver that was a first round talent. Right. Well, Pittman is just sitting there. Right. Yeah. And even like T Higgins, like T Higgins went. Yeah, you could have you could have talked yourself into Higgins. Yeah. It's very interesting. I I cannot imagine that they would be so brash as to move on from Rodgers because I don't think I think Jordan Love is the definition of a project. So you might he might need those three years to uh, get ready. Right. Yeah. That is part of it, too, is like if if there was anywhere that works best for love, it is the Packers because he is a project. He he can't start right away. He probably can't even start the year after that. Um, But he has so much talent that it is it is a worthy investment. It's um, it's bizarre and it sends a weird message. And like, if there's anybody who's going to get spiteful over something like this, it would be Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where it gets weird. But um, Packers could draft someone that's guaranteed to turn into Patrick Mahomes and Rodgers would like fucking send a cryptic tweet at 4 a.m. about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just who he is. That's how he rolls. But hopefully, like, maybe they then the the Packers front office kind of feels a need to to owe Aaron something, at least because the the offseason is not done. Uh, Corey Davis just became a free agent, and I that'd be fun to take a flyer on him because he's a top five pick. There is. I think he's I just think they declined his option. He's not a free agent yet. However, however, there is a wide receiver who is a free agent who would immediately come in and be the most entertaining thing. And uh, if they really want to make Aaron Rodgers happy, they would go out and sign Antonio Brown. That's that's, that's a slam dunk. I can hear you talking yourself into it. Oh, God. You're, you're doing it. I... If, um, look, if there wasn't all of the, the weird rape allegations that came out at the, <laughs> about him, if you take all those out and it's just the fact that he was a weird dude who's probably having insane bouts of CTE, um, then I would consider it. But... <laughs> But Not, because those the whole all the rape allegations didn't uh, exactly get cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, so just, the uh, the character thing matters so little in the NFL. It's so funny yeah. to me. Like, yeah. no, if you can run a four three forty and catch the football, <laughs> there not a single coach is gonna be like, no, nah, I don't want this guy on my team. Um, I Antonio Brown is gonna have a job next year somewhere, and Probably. it's gonna either be like a team like the Packers that need a receiver. Uh, the Chiefs make a ton of sense for Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Rams make sense for Antonio Brown. Uh, he's he's going to have a job. I fully believe he will. Um, that would be, it'll be very funny. I, I really want it to happen. Ugh. I just, I don't know. I guess my, my main takeaway from the draft is that both the teams that I like are now stuck in divisions with teams that know how to draft well because the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens absolutely murdered the draft. And yeah. I, I, the, the Browns did great and the Rams did great, but like, how, how did anyone let the Ravens, who had clear needs at linebacker, come into the draft and get two of the top five inside linebackers in the draft? 
Uh-huh. Like, how did that happen? And, okay, they get to add freaking J.K. Dobbins on top of it, too. Like, yeah, it's just not fair. And I, I doubted it at first, but John Lynch is very clearly not in over his head at the whole GM thing, so that's unfortunate. I... Yeah, I had I had questioned the Ayuk pick at first because because they had just traded down from where they could have taken Judy or Lamb, um, but oh. the then in in hindsight, yeah, it does it, it Ayuk's probably a, a good talent, and they it, it was more of a deep threat needed that they needed, so yeah, um, it made sense. Now, if only they had a quarterback that could take advantage of that stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's just I don't know to. I I will never fault the Rams for taking the gamble because so few NFL teams do it. Yeah. A lot of them just sit there and be like, okay, so we're just going to add a piece here and there, year by year, until we see if we're good enough to win. Whereas the Rams are like, all right, so no, we're just going to try to win. And it didn't work out, and that sucks, but you know, at least they tried. I'd rather do that than just be eternally mediocre, which is what so many teams love to do. But it's just it's it's so frustrating to watch the Niners go from like two and fourteen to fourteen and two. Yeah. And now it looks like they're just never gonna be anything less than like twelve and four. And that's what the Bay Area needs too. They've they've had oh, they've had yeah. it rough when it comes to sports franchises for the last decade. So um so good for them. Yeah, know. you know, what a uh, one of my biggest pet peeves, and it has no bearing on anything. I, I don't care what teams people like. I don't care if you like one team and then go like another one. Who am I to judge? It doesn't matter. Uh. It, it doesn't matter. But nothing nothing bugs me more than like people who are Dodgers fans, but also Niners fans. <laughs> I, just, ugh, I hate it. I, it. It gives me chills. I do not like it. I know. Yeah, it it does feel weird. It's uh, oh god. Now I just have heebie-jeebies. <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, I think it's a good good I think spot. That's, yeah, I think that's it for today, right? Did I we miss anything? No. 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 I mean, there's yeah. no. This is, we're we are in the dark times now. <laughs> if we don't get news this week that baseball is going to come back, we are. I I I uh, I watched Fury Road this week to, oh, see, good. What, to see what life is going to be like in the next couple months. So <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's it, it's so incredibly well made. And when you when you realize that all the stunts and all of the 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 um I I can't call it CGI because the point is it's not CGI they're all practical stunts and uh, uh yeah no that's such an impressive film I will I will wrap it up wrap things up because I I have a wonderful story about the time that uh, I saw Mad Max Fury Road in theaters um I saw it at the uh, the Edwards and Camarillo. And, um, we're sitting, I'm, I'm with a couple friends and we're sitting like in the middle section and at the bottom, 
at this theater there were there's the the stadium seating in the back part of the theater and then normal you know flat ground seating in the front um there are these these three dudes at the bottom the first row of the stadium seating area and um you know how that movie is is action from the get-go it's almost yeah. entirely action. In fact, the first, you know, those first like five minutes are like slightly sped up. So it's a little disorienting. And then, uh, then it's a car chase for like 45 minutes. Um, so it, it gets to the point where the action stops, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's that scene where it falls into a little bit of, uh, of nighttime. It's, it's this blue filter and, um, it's completely quiet. And it's the first time in the movie. And we're like 50 minutes into the movie. Um, the first time that there's silence in the theater. And um, one of those three dudes then proceeds to stand up. And then his friend looks at him. And he's like, Hey man, what you all right? Yeah. What are you doing? And then he's just standing there. And then, so he, he turns and walks to the aisle and he's, he, uh, he then goes up the stairs of the stadium seating section. And his friend then gets up and starts to follow him. He's like, hey, wh- where are you going? What are you, what are you doing? Because he's not, he can't exit up at the top of the stadium seating. He's just going to the top row. So he's like slowly just walking up to the top row. And then he sits in the back corner. And this theater is like a half full. Like there's, there's a good amount of people in the theater. It's completely quiet because this is the quietest moment in the movie. And he, he then sits down in the top corner and proceeds to rip the loudest fart I've ever heard. <laughs> in the middle of the theater and his friend is standing there going uh you you all right and he just rips this gigantic fart and then stands up and then is slowly now crossing the top row of people (laughs) and all the people are just kind of sitting there looking at him and he's he's walking in front of them and then he goes to the other side of the top row and then walks down the steps and then leaves the theater (laughs) and not come back for the rest of the movie a masterclass. <laughs> see that was that was genius too because there's still a lot of movie left yeah yeah there's there was a whole lot um and then after the movie i went outside and uh this yeah because there's still like another hour and a half of the movie i go outside and the three guys are still there hanging out in one of the dude's cars just smoking a bowl he's still getting stoned clearly they came into that movie super high one of them (laughs) gets bad gas walks up to the top of the theater rips a gigantic fart and then just books it as slow as he can right out of the theater and then they went into the parking lot and then just continued smoking weed for another hour and a half kings kings bro that's that's, I, i feel like we could do a whole hour on theater experiences and you know honestly like if it continues like this we might have to yeah yeah might have to what else been, yeah <laughs> that's a uh, that's a good way to end swing boys though that is it is uh episode three of swing shift episode one of swing boys um it's a good time bo hopefully this sounds good hopefully this works I, yeah no i believe this is way better this is it's a safer for us this is safer for everyone and this is easier. We'll get to do more episodes if we, if this works this way, um, do them more frequently and, uh, we'll make it happen do do all the right things. Swing boys. <laughs> what a great name. What I love it. it. We might actually have to change it. I'm going to, I'm going to run that by, <laughs> I'm going to run that by people. 
<laughs> we'll email Elijah, have him drop. Yeah, sorry. Thanks for all the hard work, man. But you gotta, you gotta change this to swing voice. Swing boys. Just, uh, just, just plain white background in big black letters. Just swing boys. Oh. And no other, no other explanation. That's it. We did it. Make t-shirts. All right. Well, this has been Swing Boys. <laughs> With Thanks for stopping by, everybody. Ryan and Bo, thank you so much. And um, uh, yeah, if you got to oh. this point, I, I, I respect you. I appreciate you. You're a wonderful, wonderful human being. You're almost as good as John Paul Morosi. Yeah, we'll, we'll speak soon. <laughs> we will. We will. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks, everybody.